Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take this. Good. Good to see you all. Thank you, Gwendy. Doing a fantastic job. Gwendy, how long before you are you and Matt are due? Six weeks. Six weeks to go. And uh, this is going to be our first natural born City Lights uh, baby. And uh, we have three kids, but I love kids, so I'm looking forward to having to be able to have a, have a hold and then, you know, letting you guys deal with all the night stuff and all the changing nappies and all that kind of stuff. But we love this couple from Canada. A wonderful, wonderful couple. I am working on pronouncing your last name, and it is on one of my uh, life goals for 2020. So we will. Uh, if you want to know that name, uh, ask them. Don't ask me. So it's so good to see you. Uh, my name's Andrew, and it's my privilege to uh, be part of the team. I say that because what we're building here is not just about one person. It's about a team of people, a group of people, a community of people who are passionate about seeing the renewal of our city. And I am just so blown away with all the miracles. Um, This week, Jen, was it this week? Jen has been praying for a car and God provided the exact amount of finances that she needed for her car. And did you drive it here this morning? No. No? Okay, she brought five kids and drove a seven-seater. And so that's good. And some of you um, may or may not know my dad, uh, John. So he has got uh, non-Hodgkinson's lymphomic cancer. And he started uh, chemotherapy, but he was supposed to have on Friday an operation on his kidney because one of the things with the, the cancer, the growth was pressing against his pathways. And so they were going to have to put in a stent and we were praying that that wouldn't happen. And so instead of doing that on Friday, um, he didn't have to do that. And so I took him out to coffee and we had a coffee and we were talking about Jesus and church and all the amazing things that are happening. So we're really celebrating that and we're believing for his total recovery. So he started the chemo, but apart from a small uh, little infection and soreness in his arm, he has had zero side effects from the chemotherapy. And he's also had zero effect from his cancer. So God is doing a miracle and we're believing for that. And those are just, if we went around this room and talked about all the different things that are happening, uh, it is just so exciting. As Gwendy said, we're in this venue. We're a work in progress. And one of the things that I guess is important to know is that we're not building a perfect church. We're building a good church. And so uh, I like the fact that, you know, we're still working on some different stuff. We'll get better each week. But the main thing is about how it feels. And we want you to feel uh, welcome. We want this atmosphere to feel warm. And that's our number one goal. So uh, I've been doing this series uh, about extending the family table. 
So one of the pictures to help you understand this church is the picture of the family table. At the family table, everyone contributes and everyone enjoys. The family table is different to fine dining. In fine dining, there's professionals and there's customers. That's not our church. Uh, we are also different from drive through drive through is convenient and comfortable. This is not a convenient or, uh, sorry, convenient and contactless. This is not, <laughs> this is not a, con- this is a contact church where you get to do life with other people. So somewhat comfortably, somewhat comfortably. So we've been talking about this. And we've been talking about belonging. And last week we heard two amazing stories um, from two of the wonderful ladies in our church, Tanya, uh, who's here and led worship so well, and also uh, Di, who's out serving with kids. And so they were great stories um, about belonging. And I was just absolutely delighted with uh, those stories there. Two weeks ago, Uh, I started talking about belonging, and as I was uh, reading the Bible and studying the Bible, when I looked at the Apostle Paul and what he taught about belonging, there was something unexpected, and I went there because the Bible went there and because Paul went there, and I was talking about enemies of belonging and barriers to belonging. Surprisingly, when I was studying Romans chapter 12, there is this thing that I saw about pride and spiritual pride. Now, I've been in church a long time. I've never heard a message preached about pride. And what we looked at a couple of weeks ago is a definition of spiritual pride, that spiritual pride is the illusion that we are competent to run our own lives, achieve our sense of self-worth, and find purpose big enough to give us meaning without God. So it's this this illusion that we can do everything by ourselves. We don't need anybody or anyone. And pride is the pleasure of being more than the next person. So it thrives on relentless comparison. So I I kind of we walk in, we walk into a room and without knowing it, we are making an assessment of that person maybe by what they're wearing maybe by the type of car that they drove in. And all these kind of things, these comparisons that we make with other people. And spiritual pride is an enemy of belonging. It's never fully satisfied. It compares relentlessly. And it always concludes two things, either that you're not good enough or that you're better than. So it it leads you to those conclusions and it never concludes that you are accepted and that you belong. And the end result is exclusion. And we probably think when we talk pride that we probably think more about an arrogant pride that says, well, I'm better than you. I don't want to hang around you because, you know, I've got it together and, and you don't or for whatever reason that you're not good enough. But another unexpected thing that happens with pride is that we exclude ourselves. We compare ourselves with others and we determine, hey, I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. And that is an enemy of belonging. 
But spiritual belonging is something different. Spiritual belonging is the recognition that we find our self-worth and purpose in God and that we are created to thrive in community. And spiritual belonging is the joy of thinking more about others. And that's what we're going to keep talking about. And so as I was thinking about this idea of an enemy of belonging, I thought, well, what are some other enemies of belonging? Because our heart is to create a space where people belong, to create a family table, and we want to extend that and we want to invite as many people as want to into this space. And so as I was praying and thinking about that, I was reminded of a story which you may or may not know, depending on how long you've been in church. And it's from Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. If you have a Bible on your phone or a paper version, you're welcome to join. I'm going to read it um, to you. Luke 10, 38 to 42. So it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha, opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. So we're going to dive into this passage a little bit. And first, I want to tell you a couple of things that this passage is not talking about primarily. The main purpose of the passage, this passage is not talking about women. This is not a passage about women, even though that this passage is actually revolutionary in terms of how Jesus interacted and treated with women compared to what was happening in the day. Now, if I was to say to my beautiful wife here, Rebecca, who is such a wonderful blessing, we've been married almost 17 years, and I love her more today than I ever have before. So thank you, honey. But if I was to say, it is a great honor for you to come and sit at my feet, okay, that probably wouldn't be like a a really kind of like romantic thing or an endearing thing, or even if not just because she's my wife, but but I said, you know, to I said, Seth, come. Come and sit at my feet. He would probably love that, actually. Um, Rebecca wouldn't. But in terms of at that time, people who were invited to, to sit at the feet, it was a great honor to sit at the feet of a rabbi. So Jesus was a teacher, Jewish teacher. He was the son of God, but he was also a Jewish teacher. And so they, it was a great honor to come and listen and sit under the teaching and interact with the rabbi. Now, what was really unusual is that women were never invited to do that. And so the fact that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, it just means she was invited into the room. So think about this. Jesus was speaking and she was invited to sit. That's what was going on here. That was very unusual. 
And we know that uh, this is still not about women. So Mary was distracted by all the preparations. So this is not about gender roles as well, okay? But let me tell you what it is about. Second thing it's not about is this is not about good people and bad people. It's not saying Mary was good, Martha was bad, okay? So in the Bible we read in John, in John chapter 11, that Martha makes one of the most amazing confessions of faith about Jesus Christ. Okay, there's two amazing confessions. One is uh, Peter, the apostle Peter, and the other is uh, found in John uh, chapter 11 or 10, I think, chapter 11. And in John 11, 5, it says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and they had a brother called Lazarus. So this is not, he's not establishing a good and a bad. He's not saying Martha's bad, Mary is good. The second, the third thing that this passage is not about, this story is not about food. Some people have interpreted this story to say we shouldn't have multiple courses. This is a little weird, but this is not what this story is about. Okay. We should only have one course. In the history of Christianity, people have made that conclusion. The fourth thing, This story is not about whether God prefers us to be reflective or active. It's not about saying that Jesus prefers us to just kind of hang around. Sometimes here is a way I think about it. You may disagree, but Jesus is not calling us to be spiritual hippies smoking spiritual pot, okay? It's not like, yeah, man, I'm just going to sit at your feet, okay? You may be offended by that story. Come and talk to me afterwards. And it's not saying that doing stuff is bad. Going out of your way to help people, it's bad. It's really clear because the story before this is the one of the Good Samaritan. So these are the things that Jesus is not talking about. He's not talking about women. He's not talking about food. He's not making Martha the bad person here. And he's not saying, I prefer you to be reflective over being active. So what is this passage about? This passage is about a word we use, discipleship. It's about people following Jesus, and it's also about belonging. And let me try and unpack this a little bit. But first of all, I'll give you a question. Have you ever thought, bought somebody a present that you thought that they would love without asking them, asking for their ideas? or paying attention to their interests. So have you ever gone out to buy a surprise present for someone and like, I think they're going to love this. And you've gone out of your way, you've, you've, maybe you've saved, maybe you've, um, you know, you've prepared and you've thought about it, you've put a lot of um, thought and meaning and maybe a lot of finances in it, but you haven't asked their ideas or you haven't paid interest to, to what they may be interested in. Who's ever done that in their history? Okay, some, some people nodding, not comfortable enough to put their hands up yet, but we will work on that. I was um, chatting to somebody uh, in our church, and I forgot to ask them permission, so I'll just keep them nameless. I always ask permission to share stories, and they were telling about a time that they had bought their parents a gift a long time ago, and they'd bought their parents a coffee machine. 
and they had saved, you know, a whole week's wage. This is many years ago and they'd bought them that coffee machine and I'm pretty sure it's still in the box. So that was not something that they wanted. And so sometimes when we do this, it turns out that it was an idea that we loved more than an idea that they loved. And so sometimes we can be discouraged, but at worst, we can start to resent them for it. And we can get really upset. Why didn't they like it? I did so much for them. I prepared so much. And you kind of get a little bit frustrated and resent for them. And this is what was happening with Martha. The second question, have you ever been so busy doing things for someone you love but in doing it, you get tired and grumpy and snappy at them. Okay, this is just a hypothetical for me. Okay, I have never done this in my life. That is a joke. Uh, I think parenting is a great, great example. You're doing all these things that, for your kids and you love them. Here's a quote. I made dinner um, one night this week. Um, Beck was out and it went like this. No offence, Dad. You know when someone starts with no offence? No offence, Dad, but your dinners are boring. Okay? So it was said with a smile. And so we're, as particularly as parents, but there are other situations, we're doing these things for our family. And, you know, I think one thing is like getting shoes on my middle boy. Okay, mate, get your shoes on. Mate, put your socks on. Come on, buddy. It's time to put your shoes on. It's time to put your socks on. And then you start getting into rhetorical questions. How many times do I have to tell you to put your shoes on? And then they think it's a, a real question. And they're like, three. You have to tell me three times. And so sometimes we can get really annoyed. We're doing stuff for people that we love. And sometimes it can even be in the relationship and work. And uh, you can say, hey, I'm working so hard for you. And that person is saying, actually, I don't just want you to work hard for me. I just want you as well. And this is where this story is going. You know, there's a difference between doing for and listening to. There's a difference between doing for and being with. And there's a difference between doing for and doing with. And this is what this passage is about. And one of Mar Martha's problem is our problem. And I've called it the tyranny of busyness. It's a situation where busy becomes boss. This is what was happening here. Busy was becoming boss. And tyranny is a domination and a control. And the tyranny of busyness is an enemy of belonging. It's a self-deception that the world will not function without our relentless activity. We are deceived that we think that we are making the world spin around by all the things that we do. And we start to do things, everything for people, but not with people. There's a Author Kevin DeYoung, and he's uh, written this book called Crazy Busy, and he talks about busyness doing three things, ruining our joy, robbing our hearts, 
And this is a bit of a deep one, covering up the rot in our souls. That's pretty heavy. It's a false idea of what Jesus requires of us. This is Martha's issue. She had a false idea of what Jesus required. Bill Johnson, uh, who's a, a preacher, he says, Martha was making sandwiches that Jesus didn't order. So here's one of my questions to you. Are you busy doing what you choose to do or are you busy doing what Jesus has asked you to do? That's my first question. But let's look at some of the consequences of the tyranny of busyness, particularly in relationship to belonging, particularly in relationship to our interaction with Jesus, and particularly in relationship to community. The big, one of the big consequences of the tyranny of busyness is, as an author put it, destruction of the inner soul of service. When people in church are burnt out and are disillusioned with church community, it's usually because something has been destroyed in their inner soul of service. Quite a big thought. And what happens is you begin to resent your service, but you also begin to resent others around you, sometimes because they're not doing as much as what you're doing. Another consequence, you can be consumed by the busyness of life and at times even blame it on Jesus and the church. This has happened. You can live in distraction. As Martha says, she was distracted and the words actually mean being pulled away or dragged away. This is what is happening. Another consequence, the inability to tell the difference between God-appointed and self-appointed responsibilities. Two more. It's a demanding others conform to our way of service without considering Jesus' way. And here's a big one. We forfeit our legitimate place of belonging with Jesus. We forfeit our legitimate place of belonging with Jesus. Here's what was happening. Jesus is saying, I've prepared a place for you to come and enjoy my words, my teaching. This is a unique place. Other rabbis aren't doing this. Other people aren't offering this opportunity. But I'm inviting you to come and have a unique place. But you're not doing that because you've got this false idea of what I want. And it's excessive. But I want you to actually listen to me and to come and take your place of belonging. This is a picture of what we've been talking about, the family table where everyone contributes and everyone enjoys. Martha was single track. She thought, what does it mean to be in community, in relationship, in family? It means that I just have to do stuff. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you can do stuff, but I also want you to enjoy and it's not a choice between one or the other, but it's about listening to me and my voice about what that means. It's a sadness that I've seen so many great people in church that have been burnt out 
and disillusioned with community and sometimes with Jesus because they haven't understood and applied this principle. Others I see carry a fear of doing things. They've made, been burnt out in the past. They've done too much in the past and they carry that fear of that into the present because they got it wrong and they're like, if I do something, I'm going to get trapped. I'm going to get stuck. And others haven't learnt about different seasons and times and they can't let go of ministries and relationships with God. So how do we break the control of busyness in our lives? A life of both belonging and active service starts with, listen to this, being with and listening to Jesus. The foundational truth is that Jesus wants relationship with you. He doesn't want you to do a whole bunch of stuff that you think he wants. He wants you to actually ask him. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. So it starts with being with and listening to. There's this idea that the deepest sense of belonging comes with learning how to listen to the voice of Jesus. And this is part of the journey that we're going on is to teach this community how to hear the voice of God from themselves, from the Word of God, how to read and understand from the voice of the Holy Spirit and how to be with and listen to Jesus. John 10, 27 to 28, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish No one can snatch them away from me. The most secure place of belonging comes from learning to hear the voice of Jesus. Jesus is saying, the people that belong to me, they know how to hear my voice. And if you know how to hear my voice, you will never fall into a trap or deception that could break that relationship. How powerful is that? And this story, I told you what it's not about, but I'll tell you very clearly what it is about. This story is all about listening to the voice and truth of Jesus as the source of our belonging. What is an enemy of belonging? An enemy of belonging is the tyranny of busyness that will start to say, when busy is boss, I'm busyness. I will tell you what to do. I will tell you the pace that you are to live your life. And Jesus is saying, I don't want busyness to be boss. I want to be boss. I want to be someone who can talk to you, who can communicate with you. And so Jesus asks us a couple of questions. Here's the first one. You may want to take a note of these because I think these will really encourage you. Jesus says, Will you make some room to listen to me? Will you make some room to listen to me? In your life, here's my question, a personal question. Will you make some room to listen to me? Or are you just going to be consumed with all the things that you think that you need to do in life? Making space to listen to God 
We encourage people to pray and read their Bible, not because God, you make God feel better about himself, that you're reading the Bible, but because you learn to listen to the voice of God. And that's why we encourage people to do it. We don't have anything to prove to God. He's not happy if I pray for an hour. He is so secure in his self, but I need to learn to listen to his voice as a source of life. But when we do that, it's trusting. It's trusting that if I put God first in terms of my time, he will multiply time in other areas and he will give me focus about what I should and shouldn't do in my life. So are you willing to make some room to listen to Jesus? The second thing that Jesus says is, are you okay with simpler? The trap is that Martha was doing some things which were elaborate and excessive. The, the issue wasn't that she was making Jesus some food and she had a genuine gift of hospitality. And so the question is, are we okay with something that's a bit simpler that will allow us, everyone, to enjoy God's presence. Because sometimes, and particularly in churches and in communities, we can go over the top with all of these things that we think that we need. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes they get in the way of a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. And they get in the way of our sense of belonging. Are we willing to serve him by listening to him and obeying rather than providing excessively for his needs? The last question, a big question, I'm almost done here. Am I qualified to decide what's best for me? We touched on this a little bit when we were talking about spiritual pride. Am I the best person to decide what's best for me? Jesus is saying, actually, You're not. I am because I'm Jesus. And so what, and this is a big thing for pretty much everyone, what we need to do is actually surrender control of our life and learn to listen to the voice of Jesus because he is God and he knows what's best for us. Busy can become our boss, but Jesus says, I don't want busy to be your boss because you're going to burn out. You're going to get disillusioned. I want to be your boss because I love you and I want to teach you how to live in life with grace because busyness has no grace attached to it. But when you listen and obey to the words of Jesus, there is a grace and a life that is available. Here's something that I kind of was thinking about early this morning that the answer in this, even in this story, the answer is not always doing less. We could think about, you know, where this story goes and, and Martha obviously needed to do less. The answer is not doing less. The answer is not doing more. The answer is doing what Jesus has asked us to do. So sometimes that can be more. And how could that work? How could that be better? Because when Jesus asks you to do something, he graces you to do it. He gives you the energy. He gives you the capacity. And this is a powerful thing. It's not doing more or it's not doing less. 
It's learning to listen and obey the words of Jesus. And I know that's a big thing. And I have just met some of you. I'm not sure where you are on your journey. But the idea of giving up your control and actually saying, hey, Jesus, do you have a better plan for me? This is not a once-off thing. This is a way of living with grace and with truth. Our deepest belonging is learning to hear the voice of Jesus and respond. And our service is in response to his call, not our own ideas. And it's really, really powerful because God has invited everyone to enjoy. This church is probably, well, definitely, this is the hardest working church I have ever been in. But I sense a grace around it. I sense there's an energy, there's a life, because what we're doing is not just for ourselves and not just for routine, but we're creating a space. Our energy and effort is to extend the family table. You know, as a community, we're committed to simple obedience. We have some values. Our first value is simply follow. It's exactly this, learning to hear the voice of God and obey. This group of people has come about uh, not by a master strategic plan, but it's by me and others doing our absolute best just to follow the leading of Jesus through his Holy Spirit day after day. And we're not going to get to a size that we go, oh, okay, we did that. That was like startup phase. We're in that startup phase where we cared about people and where we listened to the Holy Spirit. And now we've, we're into the, the corporate stage. That's not our heart. We believe that we can reach hundreds and thousands of people who don't know Jesus with the message of Jesus because we have to, because of our city. But this is, this is not just like a seasonal thing. This is our way of living. We learn to hear the voice of Jesus and we do our best to follow. So that's our heart as a church. But I want to encourage you, what's your heart? I reckon that in this time, some of you, you may uh, be new to this kind of thing, but I reckon the voice of the Holy Spirit is saying things, is giving you some promptings, as we'd say, some ideas that maybe challenge your normal, challenge your status quo around this idea of this invitation. I can tell you that we have seen some things that are difficult and done some things that require faith, and we'll continue to do that. At the beginning of last year when we started this church, um, my wife and I made a decision that we would just start. We didn't have any financial support. We had some savings, and we just stepped out in faith. That was a difficult decision, but there's a grace attached to it, and God provided miraculously for all of our needs for ourselves and, and our kids. But this is not just like a this is not just like a pulpit kind of thing, like, oh, awesome, this is a good story for the preacher uh, to share. This is a way of living that Jesus invites everybody into. And so just I just want to encourage you, there could be a voice within you, there could be some uh, things from the Bible that you might have read that are just like encouraging you to step out and to not make busyness your boss, but allow Jesus to be number one 
in your life. And so if that's you, I'm going to pray for everybody. Maybe you're new to it. Maybe you could find somebody that you know and trust that you think, oh, they they know how to hear the voice of God. Maybe you could talk to them about it or you could come and talk to me or my beautiful wife about that as well. So there's lots of people that can help you. But I want to encourage you, don't delay in learning how to listen to the voice of God. Don't think that your schedule is one or your busyness or your work. Just trust Jesus with your time and you'll be amazed at how he multiplies your hours in your day so that you can do everything that he's called you to do. Is that cool? Do you like that? Could you come on a journey with me? This is not a once-off. This is a way of living where we follow Jesus. How about that? We just go, oh, our whole lives. We're just going to learn how to follow the voice of God. We're going to learn how to love people. We're going to learn how to be generous. We're going to learn how not to be controlled by a pace and a pattern that's of this world. But instead, we're going to listen to Jesus and go at a Jesus pace. It's so good. There's so much grace and peace and life. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you are so personal that every person here, doesn't matter their history, their story, every single person you have invited into relationship to listen to your voice, which is the deepest place of belonging. Lord, as a church, we're saying we want to go at your pace. We've got things to do, but we're going to listen to your voice in terms of how you've called them to do do them, when you've called us to do them. But I pray, individuals, I pray that, that people would just have the courage to put you first in their time, to learn how to listen to you, to open your word, to pray. Lord, there's some people here that there's some big things that God's that you're calling them to, to, to take a step of faith in. I, I thank you. I, I'm not saying that that's easy, but I am saying that that is good and it will be good as they follow your voice. And so we bless you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, incredible to see you here. Um, I think, as I said, we're still in progress. We Did we get the coffee machine fired up this morning? We're still working on that, and we're cool with that. We, so we had some training. Um, our future, we're going to have free coffee in the morning. We're going to make that free. Um, yeah, because it's such a massive part of the community. So thanks to the team. Got about six people got trained as, um, did some extra training as baristas yesterday. So that's super cool. And uh, we, we really appreciate that. What's going to happen right now is um, you hang around. People are going to bring you some food and some drinks. And so, uh, yeah, just enjoy. See you soon. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.